Hello, welcome back to But I'm a Professional. I'm your host, Nancy Elizabeth, and I'm here to help you take control of your development, career, professional, and who knows what else. I know why you're here. You want to be well while you work well. Good news. I can help you with that. Come on in, professionals. Let's get started. Tell me, listener, tell me a story. Tell me the story of the story you like to tell yourself. What about the story you like to tell yourself about others? What about the stories that you think are true with a capital T? We're going to talk about storytelling today, and this is the first of two episodes. Um... It's two episodes because the way that I want to talk about it is, in my mind, two different ways. One sort of meta-narrative and one a little bit more in the weeds. But either way, they're both about stories. Um, It's a wonderful element of being human, this storytelling, isn't it? Uh, It can bring us joy and it brings us wonder. It brings the past into the present often in a very delightful and informative way. It brings us a connectedness, it bonds us together, whether it's over the shared experience or the shared takeaway or just the the joy of being an audience to a story. A fantastic part of being human is engaging in storytelling. And I was reminded of this the other day when I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, um, The podcast called Hidden Brain. Do you listen to it? It's fabulous. Pause this now. Go listen to them. Some real slick production. And then come back here. One of the guests on the episode that I'm I'm thinking of uh, was describing some research he's been doing. uh, Something he calls primal world beliefs. And a primal world belief is a belief... In, in his research, is a belief about the world's basic character, i.e. the world is a dangerous place. So if you believe the world is a dangerous place, that is one of your primal world beliefs. Or if you believe that the world is ultimately a fair and just place, and that's one of your primal world beliefs, and so on. Um, and the, the research that he's conducted Um, studies the correlations between these primals, these primal beliefs, and life outcomes of the the, um, research participants. And so what I found really interesting is um, the the authors of the study found that more negative beliefs predicted less life and job satisfaction, worse health, less flourishing, and more negative emotion. Um, If you want to read that study, the title of the study is called Parents Think Incorrectly That Teaching Their Children That the World is a Bad Place is Likely Best for Them. And that paper is by Jeremy Clifton and Peter Meindl. And it's published in the Journal of Positive Psychology, if you are into reading that sort of thing. So yes, Listening to that podcast episode and listening to um, Jeremy Clifton talk about his research and then 
of course, all the sort of ensuing discussion that then happened around, you know, big beliefs and how they shape our approach and how we participate in life. That, of course, made me think about the stories that we tell and the stories that we listen to and how those come to shape, how we understand our world and then participate in our world of work, unsurprisingly. Um, and so then I, I asked myself the question, if we change how we tell our stories, then does that change how the story ends? I wonder. Um, I'd been researching and writing an episode about storytelling already, but it was a lot more specific. It was more that, um, you know, how to use storytelling as, uh, tools to, to effectively lead or manage or, um, communicate things to people. I, I, I wasn't really thinking about it in this very broad way, but then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, this is, this is a good starting point. So, so let's, let's have a broader discussion in this episode. And then in the second episode, we'll get more into the other type. Um, so this one's more about narratives, I suppose. And the second episode will focus more on the application of storytelling that you're probably more used to hearing about, you know, how do you storytelling for persuasion and stuff like that. Okay. I love a story, me. Tell me your story. What's your story? Take me on your journey. Okay, what does this have to do with your professional development? You may be wondering. Hmm, what indeed? You know, I'm a really big fan of engaging in agentic behavior and being proactive. I think those things are vital, in my humble opinion. Uh, those things are vital to working well and functioning well at work and just, you know, being well, your well-being, yeah? And so I suppose this comes from my, my starting point that is sort of the starting point of self-determination theory. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. Self-determination self theory. Uh, it was a theory developed by Edward Deci and Richard Ryan. I don't know if I'm saying that guy's name right. D-E-C-I, whatever that sounds like. Any horse. So these two gentlemen developed a theory, self-determination theory, and it argues that you as a human being have three basic psychological needs. You have a need for autonomy, you have a need for competence, and you have a need for relatedness. Okay. Now, another part of the theory, uh, another aspect of the theory to bear in mind is that these needs are innate. Okay. So if something is innate, you know, i.e. you're born with it, um, this is not something that you're going to, to learn or acquire through socialization. That's really hard for me to say with braces on, uh, or, or experience, right? It's innate. It's already in you. Um, the other, the other part of this theory uh, argues that that meeting these needs is is uh, essential um, for things like well-being or your psychological growth, uh, and also that the the three pillars are of equal importance. Yeah, so those three things: autonomy, competence, and relatedness. They're all they're all equal. So that's the that's the sort of the the basic tenets of self determination theory and. In my 
in my um, work on this podcast and in my studies, um, I, I find themes related to this coming up over and over again um, around, around work, whether it's work engagement or whether uh, it's uh, employee satisfaction or issues with burnout or um, alienation, uh, you know, the list is, is long and varied. Um, but often I, I can find a, a connection back to this theory, which is why I, you know, using it, use it as a jumping off point, um, oftentimes. Okay. So fast forward again, why am I talking about self-determination theory? Right. So I was saying, I was referring to that to explain, um, or to support rather why I often come to this podcast with the underlying understanding that if you are proactive and if you demonstrate agentic behaviors, you know, you show your agency or you, you behave in a way that, that reflects your agency, um, that ultimately is, will put you along the right path for being well at work and, and functioning to, in a way that serves you best. Yeah. Because after all that supports the the autonomy aspect of self-determination theory. Okay. So coming from that, that foundation and that sort of background, and then, you know, funneling into what we're talking about today with the narratives, what I'm trying to do is to get you to engage in, in activities here and to think, start thinking about how you participate in narratives that then affect and impact what happens how you understand things to happen to you in your work life. Okay. Is is that too heady? No, of course not. Not for you. I know who you are. You get this. Take that big old heaving brain and hurl it in the direction of your speakers. Okay. Okay. So you're thinking, right, I have agency. I am proactive. So what? Well, let's, let's ask a few questions. Okay. Question the first, what narrative or narratives do you have connected to your professional self? Do you sometimes feel you don't know what you're doing and it's only a matter of time before, before somebody finds out and then something terrible will happen? Then perhaps you have a bit of a, um, a bit of a, uh, I'm not worthy narrative or a bit of a imposter syndrome narrative. Um, Maybe you, uh, in your narrative, you're the brave hero of your work story, right? And you're fighting against the evil, terrible, horrible, restrictive systems that keep you from making all the good and lovely things happening at work, which is why you need to bend the rules sometimes. Maybe that's your narrative. Um... Or maybe you have a story that says no one understands me. Everyone's out to get me. Uh, and then that narrative results in you feeling less than, you know, totally keen on things like teamwork or, you know, I don't know, showing up entirely and authentically for work full stop. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm, when I'm talking about the narratives you, you have um, within to yourself. Okay. So what we're, what we're aiming for here is a little bit of, unsurprisingly, we're aiming for a bit of self-reflection and a bit of self-awareness development to understand the narratives that we have with ourselves in relation to our work and then how that impacts um, 
how we do and and how we show up to work and how we participate in it and with it okay because ultimately we are trying to make that entire process a little bit less crap right how's that for a tagline less crap so we can safely say that storytelling itself is a tool. And again, in the, in the second episode on storytelling, I will talk about storytelling as a tool and how to do it well and different techniques and uses and blah, blah, blah. In, we'll look at it in that way. But for this episode, we want to explore how we use that tool or how we engage in storytelling in a way that, you know, asking, is this serving, is this serving me, right? Is this, is this helping me um, work better, feel better, all that kind of thing? And if it isn't, how can I make adjustments? Where are they needed uh, in a way that's, that's worth my time and energy? Okay. How can I use storytelling to further develop uh, an identity, a professional identity? How can I use it to further develop um, a professional purpose? Okay. Um, I guess you can sort of think about it in a, in a broader sort of motivational way if you want it to. Yeah. I mean, ultimately we're just, we're just trying to be holistic humans here. We're trying to reach into those multitudes. I tell you about all the time you have multitudes. Let's develop all of them. Right. What are we going to do? What is, what, what is, what are the activities that we can do to, um, develop some self-awareness around this and make this, this narrative thing a more positive, have more positive impact? Well, I'm very glad you asked because it's about that time to do some coaching. Pop on your leg warmers and put on your sweatbands. Let's start working out what we're going to do. Let's get physical. I'm just kidding. I do not want to get physical. I recently had a wisdom tooth removed and it was awful and my jaw still hurts. Plus I still have my braces and I can barely speak. Right, Reno, enough about my problems. Let's talk about your problems. We are here to fix you. And in doing so, to give you some very, very good ideas. Okay, so we'll start off with the um, self-reflection stuff and the self-awareness development side of things. Uh, always better to start within before we start moving out. So the first activity I want to tell you about is, what should we call this? We'll call this big picture, yeah? So going back to that study, I... Um, I cited off the top of this episode improperly apologies. We want to think about your, your big beliefs, your capital T one truth. This is what the truth is beliefs. All right. And then we want to consider, um, upon identifying that belief, if there's any chance, just perhaps possibly that you may have a bit of a skewed view. Uh, that could potentially be down to one sort of cognitive bias or another. Um, yeah, 
let's do let's do big beliefs first. Okay, so I'm going to give you some sentence heads and I want you to finish the sentence for me. All right? I'll give you three. Here's the first one. First sentence head. I am That's it. Second sentence head. My colleagues are Sentence head number three, my work is, I am, my colleagues are, my work is. I wouldn't spend too much time thinking or developing this, just sort of top things that pop into your mind. And if the first thing that always pops into your mind is a joke, then let that one pass and then do the next one. Um, that's always what happens to me. The joke comes first. Uh... But yeah, once you once you have that, write them down if you can and just ponder on them for a bit of a time. Put on your critical thinking cap and consider the possibility of your brain engaging in a little bit of uh, hyperbole for you. A little bit of exaggeration for effect, just to, to titillate the old audience. That would be you. Um... Right. So, so we're trying to identify how we might be, we might be um, exaggerating a bit, or maybe we are thinking in absolutes and we know that is not always necessarily very useful or indeed very accurate. So let's, let's engage in the next exercise in order to temper that a little bit. Right. Or I should say the next part of this exercise. Okay. So now I want you to, um, write down the uh, think or write down the endings to the following sentence heads. Number one, a useful thing I witnessed at work the other day was. Number two, a competent trait my colleague has is. And number three, I recently felt good at work when. There we go. Okay, and so what we're trying to do there is we're trying to combat the the tendency towards our brains trying to like going around and collecting up negative evidence and putting it in a very loud, very brightly labeled um, display case in order to protect you because we often miss or we diminish positive things uh, because we don't need protection from them. Okay, and so and this is all sort of happening without your... Um, you thinking about it most of the time. And so one of the ways to rebalance that is to is to search out for positive things to to try to to you know, like I was saying, take away that that imbalance and that exaggeration, okay? So that's that's a big picture exercise. Good job. Okay. Exercise number 2. This is designed to, uh, I think initially it was designed to neutralize judgmental thoughts. Um, it's in a therapy book by uh, Marsha Lanahan. And I should say mod modified from an exercise. Like I said, the uh, this worksheet is an exercise to adopt a less critical outlook when dealing with others. And you can find a version of it on positivepsychology.com. Okay, so this follows the acronym CLEAR, C-L-E-A-R, 
right? And what you do is you write several statements after um, each heading, right? The first heading C is categorize your thoughts and recognize any judgments, all right? And so in this section, you write several judgmental thoughts you've had this week. Under L, L is for leave. Leave behind any thoughts that adopt a good or bad, a should viewpoint. And so you you write down your shoulds, shoulda, woulda, coulda thoughts, and the idea is, you know, you get them down on paper to release them out of your head, yeah? Next letter E is for evaluate. And this is for you to evaluate the consequences and the benefits of the actions. That is the actions, um, you know, how someone has behaved or what someone has said, for example. Next letter A stands for accept, accept the reality. Okay. So here you can reflect on what is it that you need to accept, um, reflecting on the reality of the situation. And then the final letter, R, R stands for remind. Remind yourself that things often make sense because of the reasons around them and the context in which they happened. So here is a space where you can think of and list most likely reasons for something happening, right? And, and again, thinking about context and reasons around them. I think here too, it would be, it would also be useful to bear in mind, uh, circles of control. So think of that circle of control where, you know, you don't have any things outside of your control. Um, yeah. Remind yourself that, um, sometimes that's the reason things happen, not because of anything that you've done. Right. Okay. And that version of the worksheet was done by Dr. Jeremy Sutton on positivepsychology.com. And you can find that with a fierce Google for free. Yay. Right. Okay. So those are some big picture, um, self-awareness activities. Okay. Now let's go outside of ourselves and think about what we can do in those spaces. Yeah. Because ultimately, you are going to be working with others. They're half the problem. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you are going to be working with others, and that's unlikely to change anytime soon. So what can we do there? All right. Well, let's start off with, and this would be particularly effective if you have some sort of leadership position, whether you're leading a team or teams or the entire organization, whatever it is. Um but equally, if you're not in a leadership position, you can still do this as a workshop uh, or something like that. Be hugely useful. Um, I would like you to consider engaging in a story circle. A what? Yes, a story circle. You may have heard of this. Um, story circles are a practice commonly used in spaces like community activism. Uh, they're commonly a part of indigenous traditions. Uh, they are commonly a part of amateur theater. If you've ever had the great misfortune to be involved in an amateur theater group, I'm just kidding. Um, oh God, I remember doing a story circle once when I was in high school, it was just feelings and hormones and everybody was uncomfortable and upset at the end of it. Hopefully that won't happen on your team. 
Okay, so a quick and fierce Google of if you type into the search bar how to mediate a story circle, then you will be able to find some useful resources. Like I said, some of those will probably be from some theater troupe somewhere, um, and others might be from activist websites or uh, indigenous tradition websites. Um, but they, they all sort of more or less uh, have the same, uh, I suppose, base components, which are, start with an introduction from um, whoever is leading the exercise. And again, you can find scripts online for this. Um, divide the group up into smaller groups. So I would say five people, maybe to eight people. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go above eight because it'll um, defeat the purpose. And hopefully you're in a space that's big enough so the the um mini groups can't really hear each other or don't sort of interrupt each other okay uh and this division should be random um and then you know give the instruction that a story needs to have a beginning a middle and an end uh each person will have three minutes and then you um share the prompt for the story Okay. Uh, and that will vary wildly depending on, you know, what it is that you're trying to do with this, with this exercise in your team. Some examples that I can think of off the top of my head are, you know, a time when you were proud of something that happened at work or a time that you felt connected, uh, when you were doing something at work, or, um, you can also talk about things that, you know, went a bit sideways. Um, or a time when you experienced some sort of growth or change, uh, stuff like that. Okay. Once everybody in the circle has uh, told their story um, and everybody's been thanked for sharing their stories, then you come back together as a big group and you um, take some time to reflect together on the process. So, I mean, that could just be, you know, did you notice any common themes coming up? Did you notice, was there anything that stood out? Anything that sort of touched you or something that sparked your interest? Whatever it is, right? Um, you don't need to sort of retell the story, right? Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, like I said, you can find resources online that will give you much more, much more guidance, some more scripts. Um, if, if you're not sure what to say in leading one of these things. Um, but ultimately, we're looking for this activity to um, build bridges, strengthen bonds, and, and bring people closer together. Which is what storytelling is all about. Okay, the last exercise I want you to engage in is, again, it's an outward one because it requires an audience. Um but it is at the same time very individual and personalized. I want you to think about how you use storytelling to represent yourself, okay? And a good way to think about this is, what do you say when people ask you, and what do you do? And for this exercise, I'm not trying to persuade you to develop some, you know, 90 second slick um, elevator pitch of, of uh, what your job is. Or, or how amazing you are at it, okay? What I'm trying to get you to do here is to be able to represent yourself authentically, okay? Authenticity is one of the things that connects us to other people 
and breaks down barriers and helps us to trust one another. Right. And so when you answer that question, which is, you know, a mini story, are you represent, are you representing yourself in a, in a way that is authentic? Right. How can you answer that question that, that talks about your identity that talks about your purpose or that talks about how you contribute? That's what I want you to think about. What is the story that you tell in answering that question? Yeah. And, you know, then if you, if you aren't happy with, with what you normally say, then maybe you can come up with something that, that suits you a bit better or fits, fits you a bit more honestly. Okay. What would I say? What do I say? When people ask me what I do, if I'm talking about this podcast, I say, I often talk about how I want to, I want to expand and participate in, in the sharing of knowledge and the sharing of understanding of, of how we can function better at work because we spend so much time at it and doing it. And I want to give people useful tools. I want to share useful ideas and activities that people can engage in that will improve their working lives and improve their understanding of their self, themselves, their working selves. Um, from what I've studied and from what I've experienced in my jobs, I want to pass on the helpful knowledge that I I have picked up along the way in learning and development and now in my studies in organizational psychology. So that's what I do. I want more people to benefit from that. And that's why I make a podcast. How about you? What do you do? Tell me your story. Uh, so how's that for a listicle of activities, big and small? I would say start big and then whittle it down a bit. That seems like it would touch a lot of bases for you. Okay. And hopefully at the end of all that, you'll have a better, a better level of self-awareness. You'll have uh, a narrative that both reflects and represents you well, but also serves you well. Um, and you'll have better language to, to, um, share that with other people and connect you to other people. Okay. Okay, you're doing great. Good job, everyone. I want to thank you all for coming along and listening intently with open hearts, open minds and open ears today. I hope you have found at least some of these ideas and some of these activities of some use. Uh, if you have, and if you haven't, please share it with others and let us spread the learning around. I further hope that you enjoy a fantastic week at work, uh, with the most positive side effects of storytelling, if at all possible. Don't forget, you can always follow me on Twitter for more ideas and insights while it still lasts, I suppose. Uh, you can find me at but I'm a profesh. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye.